Welcome to Podcast for Sales Engineers. Proof is in the pudding. This podcast is brought to you by Smart POC platform, pudding.app. And I'm your host, Vikaria. We have Chris White in our show today. Chris is a managing director of demodoctor.com, and he's also an author of a book, The Six Habits of Highly Effective Sales Engineers. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Vic. It's a pleasure to be here. Chris, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Of course. I graduated from college in the early 90s as a sales engineer. I'm sorry, as a software engineer. So I was a technical guy coming out of college. Um, and my first job was with a company called Freddie Mac, a company that at the time very few people had ever heard of. And now most people know for all the wrong reasons. But I was a technology guy and I got into consulting and I was an enterprise architect. But Vic, it's interesting. I, I honestly, I thought there was something wrong with me because I had a hard time being happy in my role. And I, I would get onto a project and after a couple months, I'd, I'd feel like I sort of figured things out and I'd get bored and I'd want to move on to another project. Amen. I ended up going through a professional kind of career counseling program, discovered that technical sales would be a good role for me, and got my first job about 15 years ago, got my first job as a sales engineer. And frankly, I thought it was going to be great because I could move the mouse and talk at the same time. Um, and what I discovered is that there's a lot more to being a sales engineer than just being good in front of an audience. And admittedly, I, I took a few lumps early on, um, but I figured it out and, and did very, very well. And I, I ended up taking over a team of sales engineers and discovered that they were making many of the same mistakes that I had made. And um, I had to create some training. So that was about 10 years ago. And then that training has sort of evolved over a period of 10 years into what's now a framework that I refer to as the six habits of highly effective sales engineers. And um, now I've built a business around that. I can totally relate to the, you know, why sales engineering career is so, um, it's so great. I think sales engineer is, is the only job which needs to wear multiple hats. For example, there are some jobs in the company which are very business specific. There are some jobs very technical specific. There's some jobs more management specific. But I think sales engineering job is the, is the one of the, those jobs, if not the only job, where you need to be technical. You need to know the project management or how to manage the whole uh, the process. And you also need to be very business focused as well because you are customer facing and you're always talking to customer. Your goal is to convert uh, proof of concepts and uh, bring the deal. So it's, it's a very, it's a combination of multiple uh, different roles that ha happen typically in part of the company. Vic, I could not agree with you more. I mean, I think it's the most interesting and challenging role in, in frankly, maybe industry, but certainly software. And, and I think those that are particularly good at it, um, we can't imagine doing anything else. So right. I, I agree. I think it's fabulous. Absolutely. So now I want to talk about your book. Uh, I find the title very interesting, The Six Habits of Highly Effective Sales Engineers. And you describe these six habits as partner, probe, prepare, practice, perform, and perfect. All start with P. And uh, so I want to talk to you about these habits. So 
So can you uh, talk a little bit about what was the genesis of the book? And if you can uh, talk about, let's say, why partnering is important for the SEs, what are the challenges that SEs see when they go out in the field and uh, how this partnering can help them? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, and by the way, you rattled those habits off beautifully. So I'm, I'm, I'm flattered that, you know, it's already part of your language, I think. Um, <laughs> but, you know, let me preface it by saying, frankly, Vic, that, that the habits really, each one of the habits were, were really born out of, frankly, mistakes that, that I, might, I made myself or lessons that I learned along the way. Um, and, or, and or mistakes, you know, that I saw other sales engineers or sales teams make. And, and it's interesting, as I, as I went through, as my, as my content evolved over the years, I struggled to put a word on what each of these items was. Is it, is it a behavior? Is it an activity, right? Is it a mindset? And then and habit is, is finally what sort of evolved, you know, evolved. And, and you asked about partner, and, and it's interesting. I, I got that one, honestly, as much from some of the sales, the sales people that I worked with over the years as anything else. And, and really, it started when, when I first got into the role. It, it, didn't, it wasn't obvious to me. In fact, I didn't even think of myself as being in sales, right? I didn't necessarily think of myself as being part of the sales team. I just thought of myself as the technical resource who sort of showed up and, and was the smart person, right? I, I don't know if that relate, if you can relate to that, Vic, or not. Right. But what I discovered is that not only am I part of the sales team, but sales is a team sport. And, and to me, it we are wired very differently. Sales engineers and, and our sales counterparts are fundamentally wired differently. And we think differently, which means the, the stage is set for a potentially difficult relationship. And yet we have to work together to effectively, you know, execute on a sales deal and, and to effectively work with our customers. Right. And I think we need to develop the mindset of, it's a partnership and, and we're not always going to agree with our sales counterparts and they're not always going to agree with us. And I think we need to establish that mindset that look, sometimes this is going to take hard work, but we're in this together. And, and, and all the other habits really are based on the foundation of an effective partnership. So let, let me pause there. Does that, does that sort of give you some good context for that? It, first it does. It does. And, and uh, like you said, the uh, partnership is definitely important. I mean, sales is exciting, but it's hard. And uh, without the partnership, it can be even more difficult. And so the more, uh, the lesser friction we have within the team, uh, the sales team, the better we can work together, a lot easier is to achieve the goal. So I, I can't agree with you more. Yeah. Exactly. So now uh, I want to talk to you about the habit, the next habit, which is probe. What yeah. do you mean by this habit? What is the, what, what do you, can you explain a bit more about this uh, habit? Of course. Pro? Yeah, 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 of course. And, and by the way, I mean, the, the, this is probably the one habit that's probably the least um, intuitive and, and you, and you, you called it out. The goal was to, you know, ha have alliteration, right? Use the same letter for all the terms. So this is the best I could come up with, but, you know, this is really, this is really the habit of discovery and it, and it's, and it's getting, sales engineers involved in discovery. 
And and if if I may, Vic, the sort of this this was born out of frankly the mistake that I made when I, when I when I, I mentioned that when I first got into the role, I made a few mistakes. But frankly, I very quickly started to understand the sales process. And and once I really started to get up to speed, one of the mistakes that I made was was that I would agree to virtually any demo request from one of my sales counterparts right. without, without almost any, you know, inquiry in the least be, and frankly, it was partially because I, to a certain degree, I, it was my ego getting in the way, right? My ego was saying, Hey, I'm the smart guy and I can handle it. You just throw it on my calendar and I'm good. Well, guess what? I, I found myself, Going into some customer conversations, some some demonstrations, some presentations, unprepared, and I found myself sort of painted into a corner. I was embarrassed. My sales counterpart was embarrassed, and what I discovered was that I need to be the one who's who's asking the customer certain questions before I go in to do a demonstration because I'm going to ask different questions than my sales counterpart, right? right? I'm the one who's giving the demo. Does that make sense? It, it does. And how do you uh, recommend somebody who's at the stage where they want to go and do the technical discovery? What are the, what are the best practices that you would recommend for them so that they can yeah. get the best out of it? Yeah. Great question. And, and, and let me even preface that by, you know, I, I understand that sometimes the, the, our sales counterparts are uncomfortable with this at times, right? Because right. I think, I think number one, they're afraid that our customers or our prospects are going to feel like they're being badgered. Like, well, I've, you know, I've already done discovery. I've already asked all the questions, right? So, you know, why are you going to come in and ask questions, right? So one of the things that I tell the sales engineers that I work with is make sure you do your due, due diligence, right? If your sales counterpart has already done discovery, Make sure you understand what questions have been asked, what, what answers have been given, so that you're not asking the same questions, right? And, and the best way to do it is once you do get the chance to do a discovery, say, you know, let's say my, my sales counterpart is Matt. You know, Mr. or Mrs. Customer, I've spoken to Matt. I understand the conversations you've already had. I understand that you're trying to do this, but I'm going to be the individual who's actually going to come in to demonstrate the solution for you. And I just love to hear in your own words some of the some of the more specifics, right? Right. Um, and and that's the way I approach it. The the other thing, and 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 very frankly, you and I could probably spend a forty five minute podcast just talking about discovery. Um, but the other thing I encourage people to do is I'll say two things. Number one, ask open ended questions. Right. You want to ask if you if you ask questions that are just can be answered with yes or no, it can it can fall very flat. Right. And the other thing is make it make it conversational, right? Show be curious, be interested. Those are the things that make an, a discovery call effective. Right, and I think one keyword that you said I found it very interesting, and I agree to that is, you know, let customer uh, speak about their own pain points. Let them say what is their why they're sitting at the table and talking to you. And let them give their perspective. So then we can find the better or the best way how our product can address those problems or how we can do the demos to be more customized to the needs of our customer. So and, 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 and if I'm sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead. Vic. No, I'm saying and that, that's that. And then it basically you can get the best out of it. 
uh, when you're going into the meeting. Yeah, but, but go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Well, what I was going to say is um, the biggest mistake that I see people make, and frankly, I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit that I'm, I still make this mistake from time to time, is that when we, we get on to a discovery call and yet we're very quick to solve or we're very quick to sell, we hear one thing and, and we know that aligns with one of the capabilities of our solution and we, and we want to start talking about the solution, right? And, and the mistake is that this is discovery. <laughs> right. this, is, this is our customer's turn to talk right? In a week or the next day or whenever, we'll have our chance to tell them all about the solution, right? We need to resist the urge to tell them all about the solution before they've finished t- telling their story. So, so your point about letting them talk is so spot on. Right. So very good. So let's, uh, let's talk about the next habit, which is prepare. So yeah. why, why, do, why, do, why do we need to prepare? What are the challenges and uh, how does it help? Yeah, no, the, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you, you phrased the question that way. Um, because I think this, on, at the surface, this probably seems obvious to some people. Of course, I would prepare. But again, it, it goes back, frankly, to the mistake that I made was that once, frankly, once I started doing discovery, and I, I was now equipped with more information and I better understood what the customer was looking for, I would spend hours, if not days, preparing for demos, right? Long nights. And, and frankly, Vic, I would, I would prepare more content that I could possibly present or deliver in a 30 or 45 or even 60-minute demo, Right. So so what's the mistake there? First of all, I'm, I'm burning myself out. I'm 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 not necessarily making the best use of my time. Right. And I'm building so much stuff. Right. Um, that that my, the focus is all on me. And by the way, when, when we build something that whether it's slides or some sort of customized demo, what do we want to do? We want to show it. <laughs> right. Right. Even if, you know whether we have enough time to do it or not, and so that that's so so that so this habit is really around understanding first of all the, this notion of being both effective and efficient with our time. It's really a return on the time that we spend in preparing. The other thing is I, I like to call out the difference between demo content and the demo story. To me, you know, we're engineers by trade. We like right. to build. We like to tinker, right? The problem is, is that that's, that's for us. But what the, what the customer is interested in is how is this going to help them, right? Tell me a story. Tell, tell me the story that makes me the customer the hero, that puts me the customer at the, at the center of the stage, right? And help me understand how your solution is going to help me. And, and so that's, that's what I like to say to people is focus on the story, not right. the content. Right. Does that make sense, Vic? It does. And I like the way you have put in the right sequence because we just talked about uh, in the probe that we ask customers to explain what they think about the problem and tell us what their pain point is, why they are talking to us. Now with that content... We have to prepare. There is no other exactly. way. So it, exactly. it fits actually in the sequence. It fits really well. I really like the way you have put it here that we go and talk to the customer. 
do the discovery, probe the customer about what they need, and then we come back, take that content, come back, and use that in the demo to prepare and deliver the best demo possible. So exactly. It, it totally exactly. makes sense. Very well said. Yep. Yeah. So uh, now the next habit that you talk about in your book is uh, practice. Yeah. And uh, and I can I can understand uh, you know how practice can help, but can you uh, give more details about you know what are the some situations people you know where this can definitely uh, very produ- be very productive, and uh, how they can do the practice better, even how they can get better at the at the craft of doing the demos. Yeah, yeah, and 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 similar similar to prepare, this one at the surface is probably it probably seems the most obvious, right? And and I would submit that it's it's the easiest of the habits in principle, but and and sincerely, no pun intended, but it's the hardest in practice. And right. and here's here's what I discovered, and, and here's here's really, again, learning from my own mistakes along the way. I would, I would be in a demonstration and, and something would happen and that I didn't expect. And incidentally, one of the things that I, that I like to say, I think I put this in the book and I like to say in my workshops, workshops, what's the one thing we don't want after a click, a surprise, right? right? (laughs) So, so I would be in a demo, I'd click and I'd get a surprise. And now, you know, we, we get flush in the face we're embarrassed and particularly if it's one of those key moments, right? We right. never want that. Right. And here's what, what was the hardest thing for me to accept was that in many cases I'd go back after the fact and try to figure out why the software or the platform didn't behave the way I expected it to. And it was a five second fix, right? I just forgot to, you know, include one file or, you know, I forgot to make one configuration change or something, right? And 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 it and and it's all because I didn't take a few minutes the night before or that morning to just cl- what I say, click every click, just click through and spot check and make sure, particularly those key moments in a demo are all working, right? right. So right. that's and and by the way, we talked about prepare. Again, we love to we love to tinker and build and, and fuss, right? And 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 you know create, and and we we tend not to to you know focus on the story. And the last thing that we budget time for is practice. And so that's really what this is: is it's just you know like let's let's get in the habit of budgeting time to practice. And let's make sure everything's working. Does that right. make sense? It does. And I think it also covers the scenario of a curious customer when you're yeah. going for a demo and the customer says, hey, can you click on that icon in the bottom right corner? What does that do? And sometimes, you know, uh, and so it's, it's always good to cover all the parts of the demo, especially when the products are complex, uh, to know what each part of it. And because we don't want to get surprised in the demo, and we come up with, you know, that we don't know what we're talking about. Exactly, exactly. And by the way, I, that scenario that you just talked about, when the customer says, hey, can you, can you show me this? I'm not going to take the time now to, answer, to share. I have a very specific sort of check down model that I have for that. Right. But I'll, I'll just put that out there as something that's in the book. So if anybody wants to hear my thoughts on that, they can go get a copy of the book. 
<laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, and uh, and and next, so the next habit now that we have, you know, we have probed the customer, we have prepared for it, we have practiced, and we are ready for the demo. Now, the next habit, which is uh, perform, it's a very obvious. So I really like the sequence of uh, habits that are here and which tells the great content that this book has. Uh, how, how do you, uh, in fact, I see that you have two different actually chapters on perform itself. So yes. can you talk more about what perform is all about? I think that's actually the, that's the, that's a real part of the show that we put in front of the customer where we actually perform. So can you talk about what you mean and what is the best, what are some of the best practices for performing and getting the best out of the demo? Yeah, absolutely. And, and by the way, I mean, I, I love, I love that you're calling attention to the process because you're, you're absolutely right. You know, if, and, and in fact, we, we can, we can even start with partner, you know, if, if the, if the partnership is sound, if we've done some discovery, we've prepared effectively and we've practiced, then frankly, we should be going into a demonstration with a great deal of confidence and, and feel, feel very good. But in, in spite of doing all that, right, at some point, the spotlight shines on us, right? And at some point, we are on stage. And, and again, what, what I had to learn in, in some cases through, you know, sort of the school of hard knocks, um, and then what I've seen, you know, being a manager and, and being a coach and consultant out in the field is that there are some very specific things that we want to make sure that we do and some very specific things that we want to make sure that we don't do in order to get what I believe is the primary objective of a, a presentation or demonstration. And frankly, our primary job, which is to get the technical win, right? My job as a sales engineer is to convince the customer that our solution, our, our product, our platform, our company, our people will help them solve their problems and meet their objectives, right? So what, so to answer your question, what are some of the best practices? Um, and, and frankly, you're right. There's two chapters and I think I cover about 20 specific best practices. Um, and, and, and they're, I'll talk about how they're organized. Um, they're organized around first the, the very beginning stages, right? And before you actually start your demonstration, one of the things that I like to do is set expectations, Right. So maybe my sales counterpart has given some, you know, maybe shown a few slides. When it comes to me, I'm even going to repeat. I'm going to say, so we've had a great conversation up until this point. What I'm about to demonstrate is. Now, does that, I just want to make sure that that aligns with your expectations, right? I'm kind of setting some boundaries for the conversation. The other thing I tell people is know the players, right? If you're doing a demonstration and there's five, you know, three, five, seven, 10, whatever, you may have some decision makers, you may have some technical principles, right? You may have some people who are users, what they're interested in, the kind of questions that they're gonna ask are all coming from different perspectives. Right. So know who is who before you start your demo. Does, it, does that make sense? Absolutely, Vic? absolutely. Yeah, um, um, you go ahead. You know, it does make sense. And I especially like the, the point that you made is that the purpose of this whole exercise is to get a technical win. The purpose is not to do the demo. The purpose is not to run the POC. That are only pieces of that whole process. 
that we are going through and trying to perfect each and every piece of it. But the end goal is to get the technical win. And that's where always our, you know, that's where always we should be looking at that what we need to do to, to reach to that point. Indeed. And, and, and frankly, and again, I have to raise my hand first because I made this mistake certainly early on. We have to remember that, that a, a, a technical sales presentation or sales demonstration is not training and it's not consulting, right? We are not there to teach them how to use the platform, right? We're, te- we're there to convince them that it will do what they need it to do to help them meet their needs, right? Right. right. And it and, also al- aligns It also aligns with my experience, what I've seen. So sometime when uh, SEs, you know, we go out and do the demo, it's it's very important that we know that you know we know we know the product in and out we see the product every day but when we are showing it to the customer they are probably looking at the first time so it's very important how we onboard the customer with the information that we are providing them sometime if we go if we start with the most complicated problem and we show the most complicated feature uh, you know because because the product does that oh, great but the customer may not perceive it in that way because for them, consuming that information in the next 15, 20, 30 minutes can be very complicated. So it's, I think demo is really, really important part of the whole process. And it's very important that we present the information in small bite-sized pieces in a way that customer gets and eventually we can start with a simple concept and eventually reach to a point where customer can fully understand the length and breadth of the product. So. I, I think uh, this this goes totally well with the idea that the kind of sequence of steps that you've lined in this book. Yeah, Vic, you are so spot on. I mean, I I could not agree with you more. And you know, to that end, I, I talk about things like just slowing down, right? So your so the audience can can you know follow along. Um, you know, not assuming that they understand your you know understand your terminology. Um, you know, one of, one of my favorite sayings is a confused mind always says no. And if we confuse our, even if they like what they're seeing, if they're, if they're a little confused by what's happened, the answer is no until that confusion has gone. So I I completely agree with what you're saying. So uh, that brings to our last habit here, the perfect and what do you mean by this habit? What do you mean by this? Yeah, no, and 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 this is this is one too that at times um, you know people have have frankly challenged me on. Um, I, I've done some work with some very well-known companies, and and one of their mantras was "perfect can't be the enemy of good enough," and and that's why I'm very clear to tell people this doesn't say perfect. This is a verb which is perfect. I actually learned this from my first boss, my, the first boss that I had as a sales engineer. He used to say, if ever I was in a demo and a customer asked me something about the platform that the platform couldn't do or that I couldn't answer, either that night or the next day or before the next time I had to give a demo, I would go into my, my demo, right? I'd go into the platform and I would figure out a workaround. Right. I'd figure out a satisfactory answer. And that's really what this habit is, is it's to consistently and constantly perfect our demos. It's really about mastering our craft and mastering our trade. And if I may, this, and, and I, this, I love this because it comes now full circle back to habit number one, which is the partnership. 
my, I would say my favorite part of going to give a demo was the conversation that I had with my sales counterpart after the fact, where he and I or she and I would talk about, you know, what went right and what went wrong and what could we have done differently and what should we do differently? And, and even better, did you see how they re responded when we showed them this? Or did you see how excited they were when we did that, right? And, and it's really that, it's that constant feedback loop and, and consistent you know, cycle of improvement. That, that's really what this habit is all about. Right. So now I'm going to put you actually on a spot here. So if you have to pick one of this habit, or let me for, for phrase my question a different way. Let's say you are out for a speaking engagement and you have only three minutes and you want to talk about only one habit out of all these six that you think would, uh, you know, uh, help the audience the most, which one would you pick and why? Oh man. <laughs> so, so I'm actually, I'm actually going to take, cause you, you asked two questions there because the answer actually is different depending on the question. Okay. So, so the first one you asked was which one do I think is important? I would have to say habit number two. I, I think, I think doing, doing discovery is the most important thing that we can do because if we don't understand what the customer is, is looking for, what they're trying to accomplish, what their problems are, what their context is, I don't think the others matter. I really don't. I, it doesn't matter how good we are in front of a customer. It, it doesn't matter um, you know, how well we prepare if we don't understand really what they're trying to do. So I think that's, that's the most important one. Now, that being said, if, if, I'm in an, if I have three minutes with an audience, I, I would say, and I'm talking to a group of sales engineers, I would say, first and foremost, please know that you are in sales. Right. And sales is a team sport. And the most important thing is for you to understand that you're, you're a team, you're a part of the sales team and, and all the other habits build on that partnership. So, um, so, th so that's, so that, that would be, that would be my, my answer. Great, great um, answer, Chris. Great answer. I like it. And, and I, I definitely uh, see your point uh, for a probe because that's like a, you know, when we are building a house or a building, that's like foundation. If the foundation is not right, the house cannot be built as exactly. strong, as beautiful as we want. So I exactly. totally understand the, the logic. So with that, uh, I think this was a great conversation. Uh, really nice talking to you. And I, I have I wish you all the best with your book. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Well, thank you, Vic, so much. Um, best of luck, continued luck to, to you and, the, and Pudding and the podcast. I know what you guys are doing is fantastic. And thanks so much for having me. I, as you can tell, I love talking about this stuff. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an advocate for our profession. So in any opportunity I, I have, I'm, I'm grateful for it. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Pudding is a smart POC platform that elevates the POC experience for sales teams and their customers. Sales engineering teams use Pudding for tracking, managing, and automating POC activities. Find out more at pudding.app.